basically one room, one yeah. warehouse. And that was a morgue. We only, yeah. I only found that out recently yeah. when we were looking at some of the videos about I the facts. I'm after watching it hundreds of times probably. And then you look at it and you go, oh yeah, and it's like fucking Mr. Blonde is sitting on a horse. Yeah, now like, in fairness, it's, it's covered in a dust sheet, but yeah. so you don't really cop it. Pretty cool play. If you're marching. Or a Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Retro Rejects. No, the Retro Dropouts. Actually, the Retro Rejects sounds a bit better. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with the Retro Rejects. This is episode one. Um, and it, 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 for people who don't know, it's a podcast covering all things retro as far back as the, the 1870s. Where we, uh, Maybe not that far back. We're, yeah. not, we're not that old. Well, we, we're 80s kids and mm. 90s teenagers. Yeah. I suppose. So it's going to be primarily the 80s and 90s. Mm. We talk about movies, games, comics. Music. Music. Pop culture. In Everything you can think of. Well, mm. There's probably other similar podcasts out there that are far better. So. I'm sure there's millions. Yeah. Um, but here's just a million and one. Yeah, so if you don't like Irish people, you don't like the 80s and 90s, maybe, maybe go over you. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, this week's episode is Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Um, originally, we were going to do a podcast about soundtracks. Mm. Uh, we're going to focus on the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, which is a very 70s-inspired soundtrack, mm. kind of fitting in with the retro kind of team of the whole podcast. Uh, Tarantino you know picked because he taught it he kind of like had that nostalgic feel mm-hmm. and some of the songs he's going for different songs and he heard some of the songs saying like um the original song was actually going well, instead of Little Green Bag yeah the opening scene was going to be Pink Floyd Money yeah which you know it would have been that would have been fairly cool as well but um I think Pink Floyd actually agreed that they could use mm. it but they couldn't afford yeah and Tarantino was listening to the radio at one stage and this came on and just a wave of nostalgia kind of thing they said mm. Jesus this might be more fitting actually and it's kind of upbeat and all the rest so iconic opening scene well it's a weird thing about it because like it's say with the whole film which we'll be getting into as we're going on with it, where it's there is this whole nostalgic well there's a whole nostalgic quality I think most of Tarantino's films mm. um, and even directly rip off like or not even rip off but direct homage with the 70s um uh, exploitation films as well yeah but that, that's mm. you know that, that kind of thing there in Reservoir Dogs where there's that feeling where it's Oh, a gangster type. Yeah, yeah, but it causes that. Like he said that the film was more inspired by, it was an old Stanley Kubrick film from the 50s. Hmm. Um, God, which I can't remember what it's called. But uh, that more so than like City of Fire, a lot of people say that he directly ripped off um, with a lot of it. And, and that's the thing, if you pretty much do it shot it, yeah. for shot, I suppose. But again, the point I suppose to be made is like it's about 10 minutes of um, action in that City of Fire. Mm. Um, it's part of a much larger story where Tarantino decided to hone in on the aftermath of a, a heist gone wrong, essentially. Yeah, basically it is. It, it's not as if it's kind of like the newest ideas. I think the, mm. the whole thing that set it apart was the execution. Yeah, and um, the dialogue, I think, as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was when looking back on it, like Tarantino, he changed movie making for mm. a long, long, long time. Yeah. And then I think people went away from it because there were so many kind of rip-offs. That's it, there's so many people who are doing Tarantino style and people are like, oh my God, mm. enough already. But, you know, the original and I suppose the best. Yeah, but as well, I suppose the whole thing is that kind of like non-linear storytelling as mm. well. Very Japanese. Like people who are into anime. 
Hmm. Um, or manga it, it, it's very common there's an awful lot I can't think of any off the fucking top of my head now but it's I remember seeing it at the time going oh that's very similar to some of the the anime that I was like hmm. watching um, where they do that kind of like jumping around it's a very and like I mean Takeshi Miike and a few of those other Japanese film directors they do that quite hmm. a lot where it's non-linear for, um, storytelling well hmm. Jap- Japanese of it is a lot of time non-linear storytelling mm. western kind of cinema has always been just very linear and I think Tarantino is probably one of the first that I'm aware of anyway to definitely bring it into popularity yeah like not that there has been flashbacks and shit before in movies but yeah but it was a very definitive I suppose statement that I'm not telling this story from okay right as everyone probably knows the plot at this point there's um an undercover cop basically infiltrates his way into a gang that are about to pull off mm. a heist heist goes badly wrong they all meet up afterwards and discuss oh my god what went wrong mm. while trying to you know clean up bullet wounds and all but the if they had to do it in linear progression exactly. there'd be no kind of like who's the cop there'd be no mystery to it absolutely and yeah. it'd be very boring to be just watching him prepare mm. and watching him infiltrate and watching it, and you know it's going to go wrong whereas it opens with there's a scene around the table and all the sparky dialogue and all the rest but that then was it's another straight. thing that kind of like Tarantino brought into a lot I remember not so much with Reservoir Dogs but definitely with Pulp Fiction there's people singing these praises going this guy's new Shakespeare mm. he's bringing street vocabulary into it, kind of like you know kind of like you know or regular kind of like you know speak mm into kind of like cinema where Shakespeare did that with plays a lot of the time but Shakespeare also had that kind of like heavy dialogue um, mm. so far it wasn't necessarily um, it's not for exposition fucking, yeah. it's more character building mm. I suppose <clears throat> world building whereas Tarantino really was the first outside of plays kind of mm. like brought that kind of theatre or well kind of like play theatrical style into mm. the cinema but like why we were going to actually discuss uh, one of the big things as well about say the soundtrack with Reservoir Dogs I think we were just talking about the structure of the movie that's kind of what I was going to talk about a lot when we were going to do the soundtrack thing where it was like Tarantino he structures these movies like um, albums mm. So what you have to say typically in that you'll have the first song be fucking coming in beating the shit yeah, out of you. Punching up. Yeah. yeah. Or else it'll be kind of calm or whatever and kind of with this it was like calm opener and then kind of like the first shot is Mr. Orange bleeding to death in the back of the mm-hmm. car. You don't know what's so it's a high adrenaline thing mm-hmm. and then it kind of like it, it goes down for a little bit then Mr. Blonde comes into it then it goes up then it goes you know it's mm-hmm. that. It's got that flow. Those beats yeah. um, to it that albums have which I think at the like I find it hard to go back looking thinking about kind of say popular cinema at the time but I think it was the thing it was like you had that whole um, fucking Spielberg mm-hmm. thing was coming blockbuster stuff people were getting a bit tired of it like with Jurassic Park and not that people got tired of Jurassic Park but you know it was that kind films. of era yeah. and you had stuff like the fucking English maybe the English patient was out a lot long but you know it wasn't there wasn't like any mad fucking shit going on mm. horror movies were kind of getting less creative mm-hmm. like a lot of horror fans like I'm a big horror fan um, love 80s horror movies and a lot of movies from the 90s as well yeah. but the 90s definitely saw a bit of a kind of a, a drop in and the cinema later yeah. yeah and not that it wasn't like I mean there was like I mean fucking Matrix at the end of the 90s you know mm. there was a lot of good stuff in the 90s an awful lot of good stuff mm. in the 90s but Tarantino kind of brought these kind of like old kind of things that were, would have been kind of straight to video fucking kind mm. of like sensibilities to a higher level and kind of like that brought it into the cinema at a time where people were like oh look at that fucking shit you know a lot of the stuff that he referenced in it was kind of like films that 
people had kind of nearly forgotten about or they yeah. were looking down their nose on like black exploitation movies and gangster movies were kind of sneered yeah, yeah. at they weren't seen as high art and they didn't really have a place in cinema most of the movies that we grew up with on VHS in the 80s they were like seen as just shit straight to vi- straight to video was seen as an insult mm. um about things you know unless it was kind of like on the cinema yeah theatrical release that was it you weren't a real kind of like you know it wasn't real filmmaking but Tarantino brought a lot of those kind of things into it and Mm. and like old kung fu like with Kill Bill yeah Um, kind of harking back to previous styles and just freshening them up a little bit for mm. our audience I suppose you were talking about the kind of the narrative structure as well something that you know kind of does drive the soundtrack along as well is um, a nice little thing that everybody and their son is after doing since then it's um steve wright is basically a, a radio dj mm-hmm. and he kind of drops in every now and again and uh, you know sort of keys up the next song that's coming along with a little bit of droll sort of dry sarcasm and a little joke and it's this whole thing of somebody gets in the car and the radio is on the car and that becomes a soundtrack and it's you know grand theft oh, auto was like you is know is it because you were a film student at one point is mm. it diatronic soundtracks and non-diatronic soundtracks is that what it's called I don't know so diatronic <laughs> I could be wrong I'm going to actually diatronic gonna, yeah maybe diatronic okay. isn't the word but you have soundtracks that the They're used only to the audience can hear yeah exactly yeah. and then you have music that kind of like the cast it emanates from the film can, itself yeah, yeah. You're kind of like, no, say, kind of like, girl, you'll be a woman soon with Uma Thurman, and when they're, yeah, she's when they're dancing to that, yeah, um, with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep talking, Laura, when I tell you. Well, I was like, I, I didn't think you were going to look it up. I was like, right, what are you talking about there? Mm. But yeah, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a big kind of a key driver of the whole soundtrack as well that Steve Wright just drops in and it's this real droll, dry voice. And next up, we got the George Baker selection, Little Green Bag. And uh, it just, I don't know, it kind of situates you in the film as well, where um, it's it's this whole, as I said, you know, you get into a car and the radio is playing and you get out and sort of the music follows on a little bit or it suddenly gets shut off. Like, as you said, that the characters are listening to it. Mm. And it, it was just, I thought at the time as well, it was a really cool way to actually make the soundtrack, make the music part of the actual film itself rather than theatrical score in the background that just sort of swells up with emotion yeah. and disappears out when it's an intense scene or whatever you know well that's the thing it's like what I was it's diaget- diegetic diegetic okay. diegetic non-diegetic okay. D-I-E-G E-T-I-C now I I think we need to get literacy classes yeah we probably do <laughs> kind of like it as well we're a bit fucking kind of um, it's the end of the day <laughs> yeah it's the end of the day and we're a little bit uh, what's the word for it not being up to speed with podcasts uh, not being up to speed in general life I would say yeah a little bit um, stupid but um yeah, Lost Boys. I was going to say they did it perfectly as well. That like mm-hmm. a lot of music was actually happening apart from Cry Little Sister and all that. Yeah. Well, maybe it was. Maybe they were carrying a boombox around when they were flying <laughs> yeah. around killing people. Um, but yeah, there's a reason for the music. Like there's a concert, so you're hearing the concert music. You know, there's somebody mm. playing something on the radio. You're hearing the radio music. Well, that's the thing with Reservoir Dogs. I think a lot of it. Like I mean, like the most famous scene probably from it. Like the the year the torture yeah. scene oh, the torture with torture stuck scene in the middle. The year. Um, with it, and if you you listen to the lyrics kind of like it, it kind of matches up about I can't get this smile off my face mm. and this whole thing you know there's parts in it where um, I know we're jumping all over the place with this uh, but it's where the um, Mr. White is talking about Mr. Blonde and he's kind of like he's a psychopath you can't work with psychopaths mm. but when you look at it kind of say Mr. Blonde would be more of a typical sociopath 
Mm. He thrives in chaos. He likes killing people. He's doing all these things. He's getting joy mm. from the torture and stuff like that. Whereas Mr. White is more of a psychopath where he's emotionless. He's got some kind of moral compass, but mm. it's fucking skewed. But like, I mean, the only thing that he, like, even when they talk to him or well, Mr. Pink is talking to him and he says, oh, did you kill anyone or do you? And he was like, just a few cops. And it's like absolutely nothing. It's mm. in this. And he's all about act like a fucking professional. And he only seems to get angry, you know? Mm. But that's the... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, with Steeler's wheel, with stuck in the middle with you, it kind of references that a mm. little, but not about the whole kind of like you know psychopath versus sociopath thing, but that Mister Blonde is a fucking you know he's mm. getting the kick out of doing it, and it fits really, really, really well. It like, does, and very unexpectedly so, because again, it's such an upbeat song, and it's such a most people hear it and they're like, oh yeah, happy, sort of like radio friendly and all the rest, and then you've got this guy dancing around waving a bloody switchblade knife or mm. a razor knife about to cut someone's ear off and throwing. Well, that was the thing that wasn't really done terrifying. so much up to that point as mm. well. That would have been that. real sinister music playing, and yeah. you're like, oh no, set the mood mm. of this psychopath. And it's like because a lot of time, like. Sometimes directors kind of have no respect for the audience mm. or they're like, no, they need to be told that they're going yeah, to be afraid scary, now or yeah. this is kind of a, a bold thing the man yeah, with the razor is, is doing. Like. Yes. But, yeah, like, if you, most of the, the fucking songs are like that. Like, even with... Like, I never heard uh, Little Green Bag before that point. Oh, did you not? No. Huh. Did you? Well, yes. you, you say it like... <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm surprised. I thought you might have heard it on the radio at least. No, I didn't grow, have a radio in my house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're just living in a bomb shelter right? mm. All right. well the people in bomb shelters have radios communicate with yeah. the yeah we had a CB yeah. oh, we actually did have a CB oh <laughs> yeah. um, talking to truckers right you used to try it was probably pedophiles <laughs> oh there's a little uh, boy talking to us on the radio yeah. yes uh, good buddy uh, why don't you come meet us at a yeah. truck stop yeah this is the, the bandit alright <laughs> it's Bert Reynolds <laughs> meet me outside uh, <laughs> Maybe not. Yes. Yes. But, uh, and then kind of just with the whole musical kind of aspect too, the opening scene with Madonna, where they're talking about Madonna's like mm. of origin, is what well, that kind of level of conversation wasn't. Like, I mean, you had Clerks kind of came out mm. probably a bit afterwards. I don't know if Kevin Smith was. I, d- I, I doubt he was because Kevin Smith is pretty much his own fucking thing yeah. anyway as well. Mm. But it seemed to be an era was probably with our like I mean I think Tarantino and Kevin Smith would fit into our generation mm. of Gen X as well yeah, even though we'd be the, younger the higher than, age of it higher yeah. age yeah so they kind of it was those people started coming to age and making movies where they were bringing all these pop culturalisms in talking about comics and movies mm. and Music, like straight yeah. to video movies and mm. kind of like B movies from the fucking the, the 70s um, whereas Kevin Smith was more the superhero kind of a thing mm. um but yeah, with the, the like of origin speech where they were like discussing that whole thing. Mm. And of course, I think Tarantino met Madonna at one point and he asked her, was he right? And she was like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but that whole thing, that whole conversation there at the start, it nearly set it up like the Dirty Dozen mm. or something where it was like, you kind of knew these guys were going to be criminals and stuff. Mm. And it was like, oh yeah, they all get along. They're all That's kind of like an yeah, old wacky. Set in the scene that they are actually getting along and having, you know, banter, I suppose, mm. like a normal group would be, normal work night out or something yeah. like and that. And I think that's what makes the next scene so shocking when mm. Mr. Orange is bleeding to death in the back of it. And it does that kind of thing that um, a lot of outlaw uh, fucking kind of westerns used to do and like what Rob Zombie does so well I think definitely with the Devil's Rejects mm. where you're kind of 
you're rooting for the bad guy. Mm. You're watching him doing these horrible things, but you kind of root for him. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, I hope yeah. he away. Oh, this poor guy is shot. Mm. Yeah. So now, like some people will say, I think that people fall into two camps with who's the good guy and who's the bad guy in it. Mm. And like, I mean, I remember reading an interview with uh, Michael Madsen and he was like, fucking kind of like, Mr. Blonde is not the bad guy. He's fucking kind of just doing what he has to do. He's just like, you mm. know, fucking kind of like. And that, again, once his backstory yeah. starts getting peppered in throughout the thing, mm. you kind of see like he's, he's, a, he's a stand-up criminal I suppose yeah. so far as he did time for mm. you know sort of he's loyal yeah but like it. I mean this is this is the whole thing with it where it's like are the cops mm. the good guys or the you know like whereas you will say kind of like a normal person when it'll go oh well Mr. Orange is the good guy yeah he's, he's trying thing. to stop this heist like but yeah. like I mean I, it's kind of insinuated I think as the movie when they kind of go with the flashbacks and stuff that Mr. Orange is kind of getting sucked more and more into it. and he obviously sees himself as the good guy kind of like mm. at the time as well it's a comic book reference as well they were thrown in like about uh, fucking Loris here and he being like the thing and mm. there was flame on and you know there was I think there was like Marvel posters in Mr. Orange's apartment and mm. stuff so it's he probably thought of himself as being like this kind of super cop mm. going in at it but it's, there was another video I saw where they were saying that Mr. Orange is actually the perfect narcissistic personality disorder mm. where it's like he's so caught up in all this he thinks of himself as being a hero but he actually he's just as bad as the rest of them like he kills the woman yeah when they're robbing her car and stuff and even with your man Nash mm. He's like fucking the cop that's been tortured in it. He's like, you shut the fuck up. Like, you know, when he's saying I'm deformed and I'm all cut up and he's like, I'm fucking dying here. But he's, and yeah, he couldn't remember a, him. He's yeah. his own main character. Yeah, such, that's it. Yeah, he's, a, he's his main character and he's what we you come when it comes down to it, the rest of them kind of stay true to their own morals throughout the mm. whole thing. Whereas he doesn't, he flip flops. Yeah. He's a cop, but he's, he's the just rat. as bad. He's a yeah. snitch, he's a, yeah, mm. exactly. And just says whatever he needs to say to try and like convince other people or to get through to another situation. Whereas mm. said most of them, they're just like, no, there's kind of criminal code as such. Like, yeah. you know, I live by it. And yeah. But I think that's uh, t- like the, the like of origin thing that set mm. up, sets it up where you kind of go, these guys are all kind of funny. And so mm. and like Mr. Pink to a certain degree. I think you kind of go when he's going on about the tips, mm. you're kind of like a fucking. Yeah, there's something bastard, yeah. Yeah. I find it hard now because Steve Buscemi Buscemi my fucking words no work today yeah. um, he's kind of at the time I, it, looking back I remember not liking him he was my least favourite character oh, really? out of the whole thing at the time All right. it was like god he's real slimy and there's something off about him and the way he was talking and stuff mm. but now look because like he's who he is now yeah. and he's so, so likeable and yeah. it's hard <laughs> to look at it and kind of you know with the character and kind of go oh no, it's, that's interesting I, I actually mm, always liked him but of course that probably just harkens to my stingy bag origins where I was like I agree with you why should mm, we tip on it's this exceptional service and I was like right on Mr. Pink yeah. and apparently that was like one of Tarantino's apparently that was a thing that he was well known for bringing up hmm. Um, that people were like fucking so he kind of like put it into because he was so well known for it he decided to put it into mm. the movie well actually yeah. I suppose that's another thing you're talking about his filmmaking abilities and how he changes things I mean like that whole scene it's basically done around a round table where the camera is continuously panning and trying to actually remember it's very hard to remember like setting up a shot saying okay what, what line side are you on and all the rest if you were this character looking over this character which side should they be mm. on it's, it's a complex moving kind of machine that they have there and it feels totally naturalistic. You're not sitting there watching going, ooh, this is an exercise in cool filmmaking. You're just sitting there going, part of the conversation. Yeah, you feel like you you're feel part like of it. you're yeah. looking around the table and you're turning to whoever's talking and listening to it and all the rest. Mm. And funny enough, actually, you don't notice um, 
Chris Penn is one of the actors in it. Obviously, enough, he was uh, brother to Sean Penn. Who was oh, yeah, he doesn't get involved. He doesn't actually yeah. get involved in that, but you don't actually notice that he's just sitting back, staying quiet. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's just this uh, real sense of like sort of a kinetic filmmaking. Well, there's one the way it's because there's a lot of noise going on there as mm. well. There's background noise, which you don't even notice, but as well, you've got like. Um, there's people are muttering away, of, you know, mm. not in part of the main conversation, and you can kind of. It's like it just flows like a normal conversation where you would have people breaking off into their own like mini conversations as well. But as well with kind of like Joe, you have um him doing the kind of like Toby Wong, Toby Toby Toby, you know. Toby But as well, I think this is kind of the thing that sets it up as well, kind of near the kind of say call back to the where it has him on one side. And he has Harvey Keitel's Mr. White in between him and Mr. Orange kind of like nearly defend them. Mm. And then over on the other side, you have Mr. Pink. Mm. Now, maybe that's maybe that's like looking into it too much or whatever. But I think this is the great thing about like, I mean, one I thing. You could look into it and look into it and find more little. Yeah. And there's not fucking many movies nowadays mm. that you can do that. Like, can you look at like, say, fucking the Infinity Wars mm. with the Avengers? And all these and hidden start layers like, oh, and start yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like Thanos having a fucking conversation about Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that yeah, but but you know it just doesn't mm. happen it's like that's why I really like you suggested going back looking at this and mm. I was like really happy to, I want to look at the rest of Tarantino's movies again mm. now or the next one because all of a sudden when you're so used to li- looking at not necessarily shit but pretty straightforward yeah, films yeah um, you, all of a sudden you look back at that and you kind of go this is what cinema used to be mm. and this wasn't even considered fucking cinema when it came out by a lot of people that was like. the thing I suppose like I mean I've always been pretty interested in cinema hence going to like film school and all that kind of stuff once I left normal school and kind of graduated all that kind of stuff but like when that burst onto the scene it was banned in Ireland you couldn't actually yeah. see it um, so I ended up the only way I got to see it was um, there was an art house cinema run in a gallery and they got special dispensation because it was like artistic the scene is art. right. yeah, I remember that yeah, that was Bain, it, yeah. yeah and that's where I first saw it and after that I was absolutely totally obsessed with Tarantino I was just like mm. oh my god this is the best thing ever and I would have been I don't know 14 at the time or something like that as well the thing with Tarantino because Tarantino wasn't like someone who was a filmmaker he was a fucking video store clerk that was after now he was after it wasn't well known at the time it was only afterwards um, the other films that he was after writing like Natural Born Killers and um, fucking True Romance Mm -hmm. Um, and as well when he wrote Reservoir Dogs when it was being shipped around Tony Scott was interested in directing it who ended up directing True Romance but it was like he he came from he was self taught. Mm. He did a couple of well probably more than a couple of classes, but he was doing acting class, and so that's how he met some of these people mm. in Hollywood at the time. But he was known as being an uh, encyclopedic knowledge of all these fucking videos. I said he was versed in the language yeah. of film, like he understood. How... And that's he talked about that. I'm saying yeah. where he's saying I just know that's what looks good from seeing thousands of movies. Mm. That's and like I mean that's what a lot of people you either have a knife for it or you don't have a knife mm. for it. Um, with it and the more films you're watching, obviously you know exactly. You're like you're getting exposed to such a movie, wide variety. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was like he was smart enough. I think at for the, like when Reservoir Dogs came out, people wanted to fucking jump on him for the city on fire mm-hmm. um, thing and it was like oh you copy this and you rob this and you rip this movie off and uh, there was a famous interview with him which I'm fairly sure it's on YouTube mm-hmm. where he was like yeah I did yeah I steal from every movie I see yeah I, and that's he was like, yeah. yeah and it's like yeah but it's that whole Pablo Picasso thing where it's like um 
some good artists borrow great artists steal mm. but like of course you're going to be influenced by things and if someone has a good shot it's like with music mm. like it'd be one thing if you rob a riff and you rob the whole f- like if you did yeah, enter you'd want to be no. insane to do enter Sandman or yeah. fucking some kind of but if you did a variation on enter Sandman maybe in the same tempo or some kind of thing on it What's wrong with that? And people get influenced by stuff like that. You're subconsciously you're influenced by it. But I mean, that's I mean, like even you see on any of the algorithms, even it's kind of like if you like this band, you might like this band because they sound a lot like that. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's because they have similar sound, and one is influenced by the other. And even the ones that there's a kind of a cascading effect. So, like, say you have a younger band are influenced by a sort of a band from the eighties, who are influenced by a band from the seventies, back the way and back the way, and all the way back to like start of music and Mm. such. Well, I think what why people might have gotten maybe angry with Tarantino with that kind of stuff at that time was because a lot of the movies he was say referencing or paying homage to or kind of like borrowing kind of like you know shots from there are films that people most people weren't familiar with mm. even fucking movie critics weren't familiar yeah. with they're just it was not just, aware of them, yeah, yeah. So I thought he was trying to be sneaky and pull a fast one yeah so mm. then they were like oh this guy's going around kind of and as well I think they felt a bit duped yeah that there was this guy doing all these like I mean there was he, he was influenced by like fucking new wave French mm. movies probably as much as he was by black exploitation movies as you know mm. he was just influenced by everything most people are when you create something you're influenced by fucking unless you're trying to say oh you know I want to be next Iron Maiden and you just fucking play stuff like Maiden and then no one fucking cares mm. unless they're Iron Maiden fans whereas Tarantino took from everything yeah and people that were fans of movies just went that's fucking good that's mm. really 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 good Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just fixing my slipper. Your slipper? Oh my God, you sound like such a granddad. Yes, my glass slipper. <laughs> you mean your uh, cowboy boot? Yes, my cowboy boot yes. that I just used to stomp in the head of a rattlesnake. <laughs> yes, here in sunny Ireland. And I spat tobacco on it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Backy. Gardener. Oh. Mm. But um, yeah, where were we with El Reservoir Dogs? But I mean, I used to talk about it's a bit of a Cowboys and Indians as well sort of film, you know, sort mm-hmm. of their, uh, you know, one group against another group and shooting each other and you sort of, you're like, Jesus, who do you actually root for here kind of a thing? Who's the underdog? Because naturally you should be rooting for the cops, mm. but um, you kind of end up, no, actually, I'm kind of rooting for these guys because they're front and centre. And I suppose that's the thing as well. It is a very big character building thing and... Um, it's something that Tarantino did as well to actually make this sort of very prominent in it was the actual advertising, the movie um, posters beforehand. It was oh, like each the, individual yeah. character. So you'd have kind of like Mr. Blonde and you'd have a line about Mr. Blonde and you know what he thinks, Mr. Orange, Mr. White and all the rest. So you got introduced to all the characters individually. And of course now we're used to like, you know, yeah, magazines are yeah. coming out and they have like special editions where they have each member of a band or they have each like sort of hero from a film on the on the cover so you can collect them all. But Tarantino kind of did it Reservoir Dogs well, kind it, of kickstarted that whole it thing. It was very big for um say fucking I remember a lot of people wearing Reservoir You probably had a Reservoir I had a Reservoir Dogs, Dogs t-shirt, t-shirt yeah, back in the day. Yeah, of course uh, I did. But, uh, I had, you know, I was actually that much of a fan. I went to a film and TV uh, museum over in England in Bradford and I bought stills from the film and plastered my wall that's really yeah there you Where go are they now? i don't know i did actually keep them for a long time uh, but it was the iconic stills where it was like you know mr white oh, yeah, yeah. mr pink you know all of these so i had mm. black and white stills from the film which cost me a fortune at the time i was only mm. a teenager but it was like very expensive for me well it's those like, kind of things as well like i mean now they're 
relatively common mm. kind of like very hard to get those kind of yeah, things yeah. especially in bloody rural Ireland like, so when I went there even though there are probably 20 quid sterling each and that was yeah. like a fortune back then I was like I have to but have what, them people weren't really doing it up to that point mm. well not that I knew if, like you didn't see fucking kind of like stills of mm. I don't know the French connection on people as well, no you know, it wasn't yeah people like, didn't you know, go kind of that much into it but I think this kind of hit a, it hit the right sort of a bone or the, hit the right chord or something with people who were into films and who were looking for something like this he was kind of like the new cool thing like you know? I think it was that thing as well because it was a story of him it's the same with mm. say like I'm a big Kevin Smith fan mm. and I think part like I didn't know his story when I saw Clerks at all it was mm. just afterwards probably reading interviews with him and I was like this guy came from fucking that. and then it was like with his money mm. he bought a comic book store Hmm. And it kind of nearly feels like, oh, it's one of us. Like, you knew people that worked in video yeah, stores. I, I used to hang around, around video and, stores. Yeah, I was the same. I used to yeah. hang around in video stores till one in the morning shooting mm. the shit like. And that was it. All my friends worked in video stores. Mm. And this was the thing, like, say, in Ireland, there, was, there wasn't really, there was like, it was, it was very hard to get comics. Mm. I loved comics. And it was fucking really hard. There was uh, two places, I think, up in Dublin. Maybe one place over in Galway, but I never mm. went there. And maybe a lot of little shops around. But they wouldn't have been getting, like, weeklies in or yeah. anything like that. Like, I was big into 2000 AD because 2000 AD was relatively easy to get. Mm. Kind of, um, you, Being they, British, I suppose, as yeah. well. So it's a lot easier to get but, that than the American mm, comics. But they used to do kind of... Um, God, what was, was, was it? I think it might have been Panini the people that did the stickers they were doing Panini yeah but it was um, they used to do a monthly collection of old Batman stories mm. so that's how I got into Batman when I was younger and it was like it was basically stuff that was printed in the fucking 60s and 70s yeah, it was, so it was, was hitting it. Ireland in, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the in 90s. the 90s yeah um, but uh, yeah, so it was kind of like for us, it was video stores were much more accessible. And I think that was our way of accessing stories. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and kind of like accessing kind of, yeah, yeah, newer kind of stuff. So a lot of people, be- and as well, people wearing Reservoir Dog stuff, it was like mm. a way you say, look, I'm a fucking yeah. um, uh, cinephile. Exactly. And be careful how you say I'm that. A <laughs> yes. But that's uh, the thing you kind of look at, and you kind of, like most people who are into films, I suppose, they kind of, they always have their own story that, oh, I'd love to do a film about that myself mm. one day. And then they see Tarantino being able to pull it off and it's kind of like maybe I could do that at some stage and that's, it and looked so not simple but no. it looked like it wasn't like fucking close encounters with third kind with special, no, the special effects, effects were mad. it was basically if you discount the few outdoor scenes where they're mm. running or they're in a car all takes place in basically one room one yeah. warehouse and that was a more we only, yeah. I only found that out recently yeah. when we were looking at some of those videos I, I about the facts it. I'm after watching it hundreds of times probably at this I think you look at it and go oh yeah and it's like fucking Mr. Blonde is sitting on a horse yeah You're now like, in fairness Fuck it's it. covered in a dust sheet but, yeah. so you don't really cop it so I, I always thought it was just a random car or something yeah. like that but there's like coffins all wrapped up and I, I never noticed the coffins it, before again I just my uh. brain just rolled them off at like filing cabinets or something mm. like that you just don't think but the, I used to always kind of go what's the what are the chemicals what is it yeah kind why like, is the bathroom so like, big or whatever why is this kitchen so yeah. big I didn't know what it was but it was like yeah the embalming room of it yeah and that in the embalming room kind of one of the facts I don't want it to be one of these shows yeah. where oh, did like, you know did you know fucking watch culture and all that have it and yeah. then like but it's uh, like there is that thing where they have um, the white 
on one side and the and pink containers on one side and on the other side it's just one orange container on its mm. own where it's like it's trying to show the, the separation between the and like I mean that's so fucking you know with Tarantino especially a lot of people at the time would not no. have fucking kind of like thought that people were kind of slipping that kind of stuff and not in a film like that mm. they would be oh it's just because a lot of the, the big kind of I suppose at the time um, Outroar was like Laura was saying it was banned in Ireland mm. um, and England as well too yeah, Think, yeah. was the, this whole thing that oh it's a fucking ultraviolet yeah, movie glorifying it's glorified yeah. yeah you look at it there's not that compared to a lot of movies yeah. nowadays there's nothing you know now okay it is at the time I suppose when I did see it now of course bear in mind I was a young teenager at the time when you did see when he like there was you don't actually see much you don't see him actually cutting the ear off all you see is him like holding an ear afterwards but then it's when the cop turns his head I think it's, it's more the slashing and the whole thing that he's going to get set on fire yeah I think it it's is it's all this suspenseful thing. terrifying kind of thing yeah. and all the rest yeah. but it's like that um, like another film that was banned in Ireland for fucking maybe 20 30 years Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm. There's hardly any violence. Mm. There's no gore in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There is no a lot blood. Of it's just in, implied. That's the trouble. Yeah. People see what they, they have in their own brains. Like, you know, it's well, suggested. For years, people are like, oh, it's the most violent movie you'll ever see. And it's like, mm. it's not actually. You know, yeah. kind of like it's a lot of it. It's in your fucking head. It is, yeah. You it's see an action. Yeah. You kind of, your brain steps to the next logical step, mm. which it doesn't actually get shown on screen. And like even like the Evil Dead got fucking thrown into the video nasty category mm. just because of what it was called and people were kind of like talking about it and then it was like I think they appealed it and it got taken off the video nasty list before like the video mm. nasty list was done away and because people were saying this is actually a work of art mm. you know because the director you know and kind of like there's not gratuitous well there is gratuitous <laughs> violence yeah. but you know it's not like fucking like driller killer yeah, I mean, it's driller not, killer it's there's no violence in here yeah. but um yeah Reservoir Dogs oh another fun fact I didn't realise Michael Fassbender put together a play of Reservoir Dogs when it was yeah. banned when he was a student huh. you see that's the thing yeah. it inspires and stuff like that people see it and it gets them excited again mm. like oh my god here's a slightly new way of doing things that I didn't mm. think of before and like that it probably inspires like thousands of like young actors young filmmakers young screenplay writers and all the rest to start doing all this like dialogue heavy kind of gangster things set around because it certainly did with uh, me I, I remember every story well. I wrote after that it was like you know it was like gangster bus into like I don't know a fast food place and it's always some little gag like that or it's like oh my god he goes to shoot someone but he slips on a milkshake or you know some well, but it was just this thing where it just it sparked off so many people kind of going oh my god like there's mm. you know this is cool again well I, I think it. everyone it's in our circle of friends talked about making a movie you yeah. know you actually did go mm. off and do stuff like that um, but like I mean there was a lot like I didn't but I would have been these people in pubs like talking we should do this we could write mm. this script like if this person could do I'm sure a similar effect happened after like paranormal activity definitely after the fucking Blair Witch oh, Project God, yeah. everyone was going oh, I'll do a fucking horror movie out in the woods with yeah, a camcorder a documentary as well. such, yeah. Yeah. found documentary mm. Yeah. Mm. but like Tarantino did and then there was that whole thing actually speaking of that with the whole thing where it was like oh this guy coming from nowhere and obviously he didn't come from nowhere it's just that he wasn't like a Coppola or he wasn't mm. one of these people so it, it's a massive mm. thing for someone go from a video store and especially for someone to be so fucking amazing yeah and someone um, who didn't have huge connections mm, now I think the big connection at the time I suppose was Harvey Keitel Harvey Keitel yeah the film yeah, they always say oh the film wouldn't have got made only for Harvey Keitel but mm. I think the film wouldn't have got made on the budget mm. that it was or it wouldn't have pulled in the names as well like mm. I mean Tim Roth apparently didn't even want to like 
um, not to be called at audition for it. He yeah. was just like, no, I'm not interested at all. And then I was like, mm, Harvey Keitel, because of the stage, mm-hmm. Tim Roth was kind of like a, a well-known kind of, I'm an actor. Yeah. And, but know. Harvey Keitel was kind of like on the down, kind mm-hmm. of like at the time. Well, that was in a video that I was looking at. Whether he fucking was uh, being awesome, I don't... Yeah, he was at the time, because I remember it myself as well. He was, he was, it's kind of like the thing that Tarantino or Rob Zombie kind of do. They get stars who their star has faded slightly mm-hmm. or the shine has gone But they're still slightly. amazing actors. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And they're kind of like, well, I can, this guy doesn't command like million dollars anymore. I can actually afford him now. And then once you put him in the film, it's like, oh my gosh, th- why have we stopped watching this guy? He can fucking mm. act or this girl. Or that was the thing. When you look at stuff like, say with the Rob Zombies of Sid Haig, mm. like I'd never, well, I did, it turns out I did see movies with Sid Haig and mm. before, like a lot of movies with Sid Haig. But I didn't really, him, yeah. like, and then afterwards, it's like, my God, this man, like, mm. um, but yeah, with Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel is amazing. Mm. Um, but it's it's kind of known that say Harvey Keitel was playing a psychopath, so because there's some lines in it that are a little bit kind of mm. dropped. Um, there's a bit where he's talking to fucking Joe, and Joe is kind of going, "Oh, the diamonds will be there at kind of like twelve o'clock," and he comes in kind of like off kilter, going, "No, they won't." And there's a pause, and they kind of go, "Ah ha 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 ha," and it always seems really awkward, and it's mm. like fucking why are they? But you kind of look at it. And say, kind of like the way psychopaths are with that kind of, they're trying to kind of like act like people. That is like real acting like a person. I don't know if that was intentional or not, Mm. but it kind of... Yeah, kind of enhanced the character as regards Mm. that. Yeah. But we're going on about it being banned. Yes. Yeah. What are you going to say about it being banned? I don't know. But it was, well, like, I think... It's not banned now. Like, you you can get it like anywhere in Ireland. But it's even though after I'd seen it in in the art house cinema, it was still banned for years afterwards. Oh, yeah. Jesus, it was for a long time. Mm, I think it it actually, um, I think it was um, a new um, film censor actually came on board eventually Mm. and reviewed some of the banned films. And he's kind of like, sure, Jesus, look at the Like, Hostel was... Because Dustin's all got banned as well. Mm. Um, just because it was Tarantino's name was mm. associated with it and I was like what the fuck are you been that I remember we could look at it it was on Channel 4 or Film 4 mm. it was the first time I actually English. saw it yeah. well it wasn't the first time I saw it fucking a shitty kind of because this is like VHS era so when so you get like yeah, a copy of it it was like somebody really times, yeah, like, or yeah. somebody had recorded it on an actual camcorder in a cinema yeah. and then it was like somebody copied it and copied it and copied it you can barely just know it like, yeah. that's the first time I saw Reservoir Dogs mm. um, was on a VHS like that we were looking copy. at it it's kind of like you're like fucking you know and there was a fuzz kind of with and then I think someone had a porno taped afterwards it was like <laughs> I, all that I can remember is that we were all fucking falling around the place laughing at that it was like it was like probably a fucking real cheesy American thing but I remember someone saying like that there was a plane crashing and someone was like what we do and so let's fuck and, then, <laughs> and we were like I mean I only remember us talking about and laughing about that yeah. after but I don't actually maybe it yeah, might no. never have been on the fucking thing and we just made it up and it became Came real hallucination group hallucination yeah um, but uh, but I mean even like say the iconic wardrobes and all the rest all of them in their suits oh yeah and they had to wear their own suits yeah it was all their own clothes because yeah. they just didn't have a clothing budget or anything mm. like that but yet it kind of lent to this they're wearing the generic kind of cheap black suit and cheap white shirt out of a generic sort of a, a local sort of a, a supermarket or mm. something like that. You know, your cheap old kind of, I suppose, well, it, the equivalent of pennies it, or a duns The amount of people that you see there. after that that were dressing in fucking yeah, black skinny suits skinny black, black ties. ties yeah, yeah, that's it. I and know, kind, of kind of walking kind of around like and they were like... Smoking and wearing sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah you think you're a hotshot criminal, do mm. you? And, and like, 
yeah I'm an accountant though by the way <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough there was actually someone that we knew that was an accountant that fucking used to oh, and really? then <laughs> after Pulp Fiction he used to fucking remember Vince Vegas mm. uh, he had nearly the same one and he used to wear it around we were in a small town and people used to be like novel oh, <laughs> um, mm. but uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. see if we had this planned out Yes, you could have different various topics. Actually, that's something that kind of irks me a bit. It's like um, if you look at other sort of like, you know, oh, facts about reservoir dogs that you never knew. A lot of people seem to bring up like, oh, there's no female character has any Oh, yeah, we're only saying film. that the other night. Yeah. Um, the only, like, I mean, there is, there's a female that pops up and it's like the woman, she's actually, funnily enough, she's pivotal to the whole fucking mm. story. They try and hijack her car and she ends up, uh, she pulls a, a gun out of her like glove compartment and she ends up shooting Mr. Orange in the gut. So she sparks off this whole slow descent into like everyone arguing about each other and mm. all that and Mr. Orange slowly dying. She doesn't say it and except scream, but there's a load of people like, oh, there's no women and they don't have any dialogue. And it's like, it's it's happening in one room or the space of an hour yeah. with a gang of guys who are after doing a heist. Like, do you want to just drop in random women just for the sake of it? Well, that's, not... that's even worse, I think. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I mean... it's like not germane to the story at all. It's like, it's it's a gang of like, I, know, I can't even remember how many, six or seven mm. or whatever. But it's just like, it's this gang and they're all coming to like the rendezvous point and that's it. Like, I mean, why would you shoehorn a woman in? And as well, kind of like, I mean, it's, I hate to be fucking kind of like, I mean, it's being realistic mm. about kind of thing like where they were trying to do a realistic kind of thing it's like Oz Oz I think is with it fucking some of the mad shit that happens in that you I, I worked in a, not in a fucking well I suppose a similar environment mm. and that is not off the fucking kind of yeah, it's not too the wall yeah. it's not fucking very far from kind of like mm. you know some of the shit that does happen like on a daily basis but it's like in Oz you are not going to have Latino gangs mixing with Aryan yeah, gangs exactly. with all this like I mean the whole thing with the, the, the Reservoir Dogs they're all fucking primarily kind of like you know Italian mm, mobsters Italian American kind of yeah, yeah. so know. they're obviously going to go for their own kind of community as such like because that's who they trust that's who they do previous yeah. cr- criminal they're acts they're normally all fucking related and kind of, you know that's bad yeah. but you know but it is yeah, it's, it's like all a people cousin that they or they've done and, the highest before so yeah. you're not going to have like a United Colours of Benetton kind of like oh let's join yeah. hands across or the like world or just random women thrown yeah, in there kind exactly, of like, especially yeah. on the fucking 90s you know yeah. um, whereas like it's that sounds bad yeah it does. It all sounds really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, I don't want people to think that we're like fucking Fox News or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what. I'm, but it's but like it's, just, it's, it's you can't. I kind of I'm I'm of the firm opinion that actually does more disservice to various groups if you're just shooting horn men just for the sake of it, and you're just like, oh, here's a line just so you say like a woman has spoken in the film, mm. or so we have a a minority character or something like that. No, I think it might be different about set nowadays. Hmm. With a different kind of gang, because like, we've seen plenty of heist movies with like mm. mixtures of men and women and different kind of like, you know, backgrounds and stuff. But this is, it's very that, specifically a type kind of, of yeah. like, yeah, kind of like Italian sort of, you know, that whole aspect of it. And, you know, it's it's the same as like Irish American gangsters. Most of them just work with other oh, yeah, Irish. Irish yeah, you look at the town and stuff mm. like that. Like, I mean, Irish American, well, <laughs> we're not going to get into kind yeah, of like, yeah. a, but, but it is, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it was just it's it was part the of story. time you it have to kind of it's just story that's it like, like I mean know. the n-word is used quite a like, lot where you kind of mm. yeah, kind of I kind of forgot about nowadays, it yeah, yeah. And, where you're kind of like, and then you kind of go well it was a t- I don't mean that they're all 
But bad thing is, people like they're you know, criminals though at yeah. the same point so of course they're going to have some unsavory views as well anyway and of course they're, they're not going to be like oh I, I, I shan't swear because it's uh, very offensive to other people they're mm. going to be swearing like fuck they're going to be using like slurs yeah but, but, but that's the thing and it's like it's not saying that it's okay yeah. kind of like and think they're like murdering people, people isn't they're okay bad either people. Yeah. exactly it's like you know you don't you should not be kind of like oh, I wouldn't be mm. like that psychopath monster that's like also horribly racist or anything yeah. like that like I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's good I don't think people should be doing it nowadays like mm. now that people kind of know a bit better yeah, you know yeah, I suppose yeah there's, there's better ways of doing things probably you know? yeah but again I, I still don't think you should be shoehorning characters in just for the sake of like having it you know oh no not in that context mm. and like I mean apparently there was um there was scenes cut out of it where there was there was a female cop yeah she was helping it. Tim Roth that was a handler yeah, yeah. Um, and they cut it out because they were saying it just didn't really yeah yeah so it kind of takes you out of the story of exactly yeah There's and I saw the, did you see, ever see the scene with it mm. and it's like it's I think just even the way that they had her dressed was mm. weird yeah it was kind of off kind of they, it was kind of, I'm, now I can't remember the name but there was a fucking a really shitty 80s movie I think it was wasn't China O'Brien maybe it was Cherry 2000 or something like that but it was about a cyborg mm. cop <laughs> And that's what she was dressed like. <laughs> so, you know, it it didn't, to me, it kind of felt out of place with this kind of 70s throwback aesthetic. Yeah, that's it. To, and then you if know. you look at other Tarantino films, like some of the main characters are women. Do you oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. you can't Uma say anything about that. Yeah, like, Uma Thurman, yeah, has been in so many of them. And, you know, you have, there's just, you know, mm. so many other strong, and it's not like they're these weak and sort of girlfriends or anything like that. They're fucking kick no, Like, Daryl Hannah is probably mm. kind of like, and, um, is it Lucy Blue? Yeah. Played, yeah. Like, I mean, it's... Like, I love Kill Bill. I didn't realise how much I love Kill Bill that I, when I stopped looking at action movies and mm. went back and looked at Kill Bill like, maybe oh about a God. year ago. I was yeah. like, fucking hell, that movie yeah. was amazing. Mm. Like, uh, well, okay, what's the good Django and Jane as a mm. gang as well, actually? Because I don't really remember it. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm. We'll have to do a whole Tarantino... Uh, kind of a compilation ah, there was one thing I was going to say when we're talking about kind of like Kevin Smith and all these people at the time there was like a load of I think mostly after Pulp Fiction that mm-hmm. started happening where there was all these uh, rip off movies started mm-hmm. coming out I remember there was like Two Days in the Valley which probably I, I, I can't remember it um, I can remember for being like Charlize Theron's kind of like you know mm-hmm. first film I think or maybe second film or something like she was seen as the big star that came out of uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead mm-hmm. Treat Williams who passed away just a while ago who I fucking I don't know why he was one of these kind of like uh, say he wasn't uh Top ranking kind of like actors yeah, like Brad Pitt or anything. He was a character actor. But I God, I love Tree. If, if yeah. Tree Williams was in something, I was going, "This is going to be fucking good." Yeah. A lot of times it wasn't, though, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but he was brilliant. And there was like Andy. I think Andy Garcia was. You know, there was all these mm. kind of like fucking really good character actors. But when you look at it the second time, it's like, must look at it again now, years later. You kind of go, oh, not really that. You know, you can see they weren't at the heights of Tarantino. Mm. But someone who it's fucking documented about, we were looking at it, it was um, this guy called Troy Duffy. Mm. Uh, for people who aren't, aren't familiar, he did a film called The Boondock Saints. He, it was like pure, nearly imitation Tarantino. It was this mm. guy, he was a barman. 
Um, they had a band at the time called The Brood. Him and his brother and all these friends, they moved to LA to try and break into the industry. Mm. He ended up giving his script to someone who was uh, who was one of his friends at an acting class or some kind of fucking class. And they passed it on to their boss, which turned out to be Harvey Weinstein at mm. the time. Um, like, we won't get into yeah. fucking the whole thing with him. But... What happened was saying he was like an overnight success. Now his friends decided to film the whole process of it. Mm. And he was fucking just he's obnoxious, yeah. horrible human being. Now I've seen an interview with, because like I mean, all right, a lot of times stuff like that can go to your head. You kind of go, all right. But it it was more than that. With He was like fucking. He was always like that. It seems yeah, like that was just his personality. There's bits where he was like ringing up Kenneth Branagh and going like, you know, I fucking, you know, mm, and yeah. when he's talking about Keanu Reeves and he's like, I'd never work with that fucking punk. And it's like, you've never even made a movie. Exactly. I know. Yeah. It's, and it's like, I, maybe ask Keanu if he'd work with you. I don't think so. Yeah. But he just <laughs> turned into like, oh, the, the worst kind of person mm. that you could picture in Hollywood. Um, even before he did anything or anything yeah. was really signed uh, but he was seen as this like success and it was going to be in the, the vein of Tarantino or as this kind of like working class guy coming mm. up making a violent movie um, and uh, basically Harvey Weinstein fucking tanked it Miramax pulled it out for loads of reasons but overnight as a documentary mm. capture it's well worth watching the people that were making it they were basically managing the band. I think I might have got confused between them and someone else. And, and they were told, like, Jordan, you're not getting fucking paid for this. You're fucking... Ch-. Oh, they just got, everyone just got treated like dirt in it. Um, but it all went to their fucking head. And when they did eventually get signed the band, mm. the first thing they did was, instead of going off fucking trying to write songs, they had no songs written mm. for it. They went off fucking celebrating in yeah, Mexico or fucking Las Vegas. On the, or, on the advance, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Most fans, like, I mean... The, Mm. seen bands before when they do get they're like fucking hell we've got like all yeah. these songs we've been fucking practicing for years let's go in and yeah, do this get in the and studio now that they're grateful and, and like it's the same with people first time moving me but this oh, and mm. like I mean the Boondock Saints it has a bit of a cult following mm. but when you do look at it it's terrible kind of rubbish yeah, yeah it's it's not good the acting isn't great in mm. it it's it's, yeah, it's, really it's kind of like a, a room you yeah. know the room kind of people are watching it more for like oh I'm watching for how bad mm. this is no it's got like it. a really big fan base mm. that people that are kind of, oh yeah but it's it's more of a fantasy kind of thing where it's like killing crim you know mm. but it's just it's it's done terrible but if you do want to see kind of like that that would be what I'd recommend to people to see the kind of um, stuff if you weren't around at the time that mm. was like Tarantino imitations mm. and kind of like what can go wrong yeah, with it. Very badly wrong. Um, like he, I think he only ever made like the Boondock, Boondock Saints part two. Yeah. Which was even worse uh, fucking years later. Sorry if you didn't hear that's our cat kind of like crying out there arguing with our dog uh, in the background. They're obviously having uh, their own Reservoir Dogs conversation yeah, about so he, he might be telling us that it's like it, it, it's time to fucking wind the neck in and shut the fuck up a bit. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There you go. But yeah, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, like it was, <clears throat> I think it was a kind of a turning point for filmmaking. Um, quite a big one as well because after, before Tarantino, there wasn't so much of all this. After Tarantino, nothing but Tarantino clones. I want to be the next, and it was always, I want to be the next Tarantino. Mm. I want to do a film like that. And all these, and I think it was actually a really good thing that for cinema making, because it just inspired oh, a lot of people did, to yeah, actually like, try. Someone need there, or like cinema needs people like that to come along. Mm. But it needs outsiders. Like Tarantino is an outsider out of the industry. It happened in the 70s. Mm. Uh, with cinema where Coppola and all these people went off doing their own kind of, what was seen as independent filmmaking at the time away from the studios mm. 
and Tarantino and Kevin Smith and a lot of people that came along and it was probably kind of led by people in the 80s that were making kind of mm. and like Roger Corman I think would probably mm. fucking was a massive thing for a lot of people where it was like all these B movies mm. and just throwing money at kind of like new directors and stuff you have a lot of people like in the fucking for a long long time their start mm. but like I mean all those movies in the 80s that were straight to video uh, led up to that point to give people an opportunity you know for mm. kind of like like Sam Raimi breakthrough yeah. fucking kind of you know but you need people like this to yeah come along. and I think with Tarantino as well he kind of he took on this whole like he was the rock star mantle kind of thing mm. he was like he got this whole wonderkind kind of reputation and he had this reputation of being like an absolute motor mouth as well he had no filter he'd just say whatever the fuck but he wanted but if you compare him to Troy Duffy he mustn't have been an asshole mm. because oh, no, he managed to get on to work with people him. Like, yeah you know? exactly that's it now whatever people say about Tarantino nowadays or anything like that but at the time he came out and he was a smart mouth guy who wasn't afraid to say stuff um, people knew him so well he was seen with all sorts of like you know I suppose cool and fashionable actors mm. he was hanging around the musicians and all the rest and people were like oh my god this guy is just he's a rock star I want to be like that too it was like something to aspire to same as you know your favourite band or something like mm. that. I want to be like them I want to be up on stage and be but famous. as well, well I think what happened was because it, particularly with Pulp Fiction when mm. he got John Travolta mm. in on it and John Travolta's career was pretty much yeah, over it was, yeah, again it was point. like the Harvey Keitel thing he was yeah. yeah he was not doing well and then all of a sudden yeah. his career exploded and John Travolta was back in and mm-hmm. like I mean it was like this was like regular people not mm-hmm. like you know people are big into cinema and a lot of people they probably at the time they didn't see Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. but it was just the thing John Travolta dancing was fucking everywhere yeah iconic um, suddenly yeah. he became cool again. I remember seeing yeah. like say This Morning with Richard and Judy or something like that and they had John Travolta on it and they were like oh shows how to dance you know and there was loads of people doing dance offs and that dance mm. became a thing as well you know the sort of the, the finger across the eyes mm. and all that kind of stuff that was from Batman yeah. <laughs> but like I mean Pulp Fiction was so fucking big at the time I remember mm. we went into the cinema to watch it and I think we said it to you before that it was a woman went in with her kids <laughs> And yeah. like young kids, and mm. like the, the ushers came out and they're saying, We don't really think this is serious, you know, maybe yeah. shouldn't they? And she was like, How dare Like, where we're from, me. it's not necessarily rough, but people are telling fucking. Yeah, they, they give you yeah. their opinions fairly quick, I suppose, yeah. is the um, nice way and to put it. Like, the ushers were just told to fuck off, like, you know, yeah. and all that by the, the mother. And then, um, I think it was when I got to the part where it was like Uma Thurman got like the injection oh, the into the heart trash, yeah. um, that she kind of ran out with the kids there and started crying and for some reason kind of like the other shit they didn't mind like mm. fucking Marvin getting his brains blown out I know them that was later on in the film but um, yeah yeah mm. Mm. Tarantino eh yeah but yeah he did he changed cinema mm. exactly and the way soundtracks I think are put together oh as definitely well. yeah. soundtracks I think were on the outs yeah. up to that point like I mean I love movie soundtracks mm. absolutely particularly ones with various artists yeah Um, but that the, the way it was like, I mean, say you have like stuff like Platoon and mm. um, I don't know if it came out. Be- it must have came out before. it. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam or mm. Robin Williams kind of brought a lot. Of, say for my generation, a lot of songs from the 60s that yeah. wouldn't have been you wouldn't have familiar been aware with it, yeah. like at all. Um, and bands from the 60s. Uh, whereas it's kind of like Tarantino. Saying, the way it was done mm. with the whole kind of K-Billy sound of the 70s, yeah. it made it kind of cool. And I think as well at the same time, the Beastie Boys were kind of getting cool again. Yeah. It was coming up towards the time of Ill Communication and all that, you know, where there was, was this fascination with the 70s. Yeah. You always have yeah, that though, that. don't you? It's always like 20 years prior or something, mm. like the 90s, you're looking back at the 70s kind of thing and thinking, mm. oh, that's quite cool. Like, so yeah. I think it came along at the right time mm. where it was kind of like that mixture, kind of like... Um, 
skateboard kind of like a, a punk was kind of coming back again mm. um and all, you know it all came together and it was mm. like people had the same interests mm. uh with it and tarantino just seemed to represent mm. a lot of those for people exactly the cool kid mm. indeed so yeah i think that's yeah. it i don't yeah. know how to sign off no we could waffle on for about yeah. rubber dogs but we, we go on then you no. do it <laughs> I mean, geez, I yeah. soundtracks. I bought the tape. I bought the cassette tape, which will tell you how long ago it was. Yeah, and all actually, the rest. I had it on tape. Yeah, yeah and I played the absolute shit out of it. Mm. And it was kind of like at the time I was not into that kind of music at all. So like people. So know. didn't did the insert for the tape as well have like stills from the movie? I think so. Yeah, that just more little ones. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, but uh, yeah, but like, look, thank you very much if you've gotten this far. Uh, listen to us ramble on about stuff. Uh, we hope you kind of like like the show. Exactly. And if you do, give us a like somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Into like, the ether, yes. You're an adult. Maybe we don't need to be telling you. Kind of like, you know, like and subscribe yeah, and stuff. Need to do things. But um, yeah, just thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with something completely different. And now for something completely different. The Boondock Saints. <laughs> um, okay, take care. Bye. Thank you.